You are in control. Your mind does not control you. You are supposed to control it. And God gave us the ability to do that, to ask questions, to, to broaden our horizons. He wants us to do that. He wants us to find the answers because he wants to give them to us. With all the talk about deconstruction and questioning faith, very few conversations actually talk about the hardships that come with their questions. Many of us, at some point in life, begin to deconstruct everything we've ever known about faith, God, and religion. And sometimes that looks like having to start over and renew your mind. This week, we're talking with Todd Vick, transformational life coach, speaker, and author of The Renewing of Your Mind. We talk about what it means to actually transform old thought patterns and beliefs we've held so closely, as well as how to fill back up and take time for yourself through this transition. We also talk about evangelism and what making a disciple actually looks like. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the answers. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And this is episode 90. Man, 90. Today we have Todd Vick. He is a life coach, he is a public speaker, and he just released a brand new book, The Renewing of Your Mind. And guys, I cannot uh, sing praises enough for this work. I'm super excited to share this conversation with y'all. We got into neuroplasticity. We got into evangelism. Science and religion. Yes. So uh, we're talking about just how uh, we form these habitual thoughts, how we can change our mind, how we can better understand God through our thoughts and deconstruction. He shares his deconstruction story uh, just as a quick little um, nugget to just kind of like, I don't know, get you excited. He actually talks about how his life was threatened based on some of his deconstruction and some of his beliefs twice uh, when he was a pastor in the middle of service. So uh, Todd has an amazing story, and I really just thoroughly enjoy it. It's just such an easy conversation. So we're just going to drop our little links real quick. And then we're going to shut up and let it come uh, as it does, because I really just cannot express how excited I am to share this with you guys. But of course, real quick, plug Nomads, a safe community for Christians to ask unsafe questions. We would love to have you a part. It is a place where you can come freely, share your voice, express what's on your heart, what you're thinking, what you what you're learning about God and and all these different things, or even your questions, your doubts, whatever it is, this is a safe place for you. And so we just want to invite you. The links are in the show notes below. And with that, let's get right into this conversation with Todd Vick, author of The Renewing of Your Mind. Hey, everyone. We are talking with Todd Vick, transformational life coach, speaker, and author of The Renewing of Your Mind. How are you today? Very good. Good to be here. Todd, we're super excited to have you on. We were, um, it was really interesting. We were, I'm trying to think back now because this is a couple weeks ago, driving uh, in downtown and we were talking about evangelism and just thought patterns and all these different things. And we were, we were actually, we had to work that night. So we were on the move as, as it was. 
and we were sitting there, we stopped our work, uh, and we hopped on a quick phone call with you, and it just so happens that you were talking about the same thing that we were talking about in the car right before, mm-hmm. and we had no idea what we were going to talk about in our conversation with you <laughs> on the phone. So, I think this topic is um, extremely needed, and apparently we're on the same wavelength somewhere, so that's yes. pretty cool. So, Todd, uh, let's just start this way. Your book just came out at the time of releasing this. It just came out like like maybe in, maybe not even a month. Yeah, so right at a month ago. And so let's just start off by talking a little bit about who you are, what your background is, and what brought you uh, into this journey of writing. Well, I was, uh, for a long time, I was a pastor in, in the Southern Baptist Church, and I think a lot of people in deconstruction start their sentences with that. I was in a Southern Baptist Church somewhere. Uh, at least that's been my experience in dealing, helping people and talking to people. Um, for, so I did that for about 30 years, and I spent most of that struggling to be good enough for God, good enough for my family, good enough for the churches I ministered in, and always struggled with that because the the demands placed on a pastor sometimes can be overwhelming. And so I, I struggled with that all along. I, I managed to muddle through. But um, while I was leading a Bible study for my Wednesday night group in my last church, this was about uh, three years ago, four, yeah, three years ago, um, I got to Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so to research for that, I started to just look up some stuff about the brain. Um, and what I found was just a gold mine of information about the human brain and its capabilities and its power and transform. And, and that's why God gave it to us, um, to use it, I assume. And so I have, um, just been, you know, researching and I'm certainly no expert. I don't have a PhD in anything. Uh, I'm just a student of this stuff and I, I think it's fascinating. And I had no idea I was going to write a book about it. I, I tried to write a book 10 years ago and, and got about 17,000 words in and decided to, to can it because I just didn't like where it was going and I didn't feel it. And so it, in, in this case, I just, I mean, the words just started coming. Um, the research helped a lot and, and it just it came about that way. That's very cool. And so let's just touch on for a minute. Uh, you threw the word deconstruction. So every time you drop that word, that's a it's a it's a small word, and there's just like a million things yes. that go into <laughs> that. So what is your deconstruction story? What led you to start questioning, and and how how was that? Well, I I think I have been in deconstruction for a long time. I would have these moments where I would just begin to is this I mean is what I'm doing helping anybody at all, uh, and if not, why? Um, and so I you know for years I just looked into questions and, and things like that. And when I would talk to my pastor friends, they would just say, Hey, you know, we'll pray for you. Um, keep hanging there. God's got your back and, and all this stuff. But I still had questions and I just wasn't sure. And when I left the local church ministry in 2016, we were actually asked to leave. So it was a very unpleasant situation. Wow. And I felt, um, I felt like everything I believed in for, for all these years and everything that I'd done for my entire life was, was for nothing. Uh, I was going through that for a bit and I'm just wondering, God, are you even there? And I was talking with an old pastor friend of mine who was my pastor um, about 20 years ago and we still stay in touch. And, and he was, you know, saying, just, you know, keep, you know, hold on to Jesus, hold on to Jesus. And I was like, you know, brother, I'm not even sure I believe that anymore. Uh, And I haven't heard from him since. So it's, it's hard to find people to talk this over with, but I've been very fortunate um, through social media to connect with a lot of great people who are going through the very same thing and have actually gone through it and are, are coming to where they're starting to rebuild their faith. And so that's kind of where I am now. I think I've torn everything down 
and I, I feel like I'm in a process of reconstruction and, and the, the material in the book from the Renewing Every Mind helped a great deal. And that's why I just wanted to share it with people. Um, I, I believe it can help uh, if, if, you, if you really apply the, the knowledge that's in there. And again, it's, I don't think it's a game-changing book or a scientific breakthrough or anything, but uh, I don't know many authors that have taken uh, the science of the human brain and tried to um, you know, connect it with uh, that verse of scripture be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and so I just felt like that, well, maybe I should just do that and see see what happens. I know a common pain point with a lot of people who are deconstructing and, and having questions is that whenever they come to pastoral figures and people in leadership, you know, coming to them with their questions and their immediate response is, well, pray about it or read your Bible or God will show you or, well, the Bible says this. So that's exactly how you should believe. Right. And I, Jesus. yeah, hold on to Jesus. And one of the biggest things that I'm trying to learn and understand is that for Jesus works for me and being, you know, aware that it doesn't always work for other people and try not to push that on other people, especially if I, you know, I, I can't say, well, the Bible says this, so believe it. But if they're already questioning everything else and they're questioning who Jesus is, like you, like you said, you know, it, it's kind of hard to trust those le people in leadership. And then especially when those people in leadership kind of go away and, and kind of disappear because they don't like your answer. Right. Yeah. And, you know, get right with God, get your mind right, go back and read your Bible, things like that. I've, I've heard so many times. Um, and a lot of my pastor friends that I graduated from seminary and college with that we still stay in touch after all these years, uh, they're not really speaking to me right now. I think they're just kind of praying that this will pass. And it's just been a, it's just been an interesting journey to see the reaction of people. Even my own family um, doesn't get what I'm going through. And, and even my wife, I've had to really sit down and, and explain what's going on. And, and, and even she doesn't always get it sometimes, but uh, she's very supportive. And I thank God for her uh, and my family. But um, it, you know, it's been an interesting journey to see the, the, the responses from people when you even mention uh, I just read a book by Rachel Held Evans, and they look at you like, oh, why? Why did you do that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, because it, it was good. <laughs> it was really good. You should read it. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's how I started. We was just reading books. I read a copy. Uh, uh, I read the, the Shack a few years ago uh, by Paul Young, and, and it just completely messed me up in, in a very good way. But I, I began to question, have I been doing this right? Because I don't, I don't see God that way. I don't see Jesus or the Holy Spirit that way. Um, I see them as being relegated to a book and, and nothing more. Even when I shared with people that I had read The Shack and that they should read it also, I got a lot of negative feedback from people on that as well. And then a little later, I read um, Love Wins by Rob Bell. And, and uh, that was a very good book. And it really put me on a path to deconstruction. Uh, and then years ago, a seed was planted by um, Dr. Steve McVeigh, a book called Grace Walk, which I've read about 20 times now. Um, it's just one of my favorites to, to just kind of takes the burden of having to be so perfect all the time off of your shoulders. And, and so all of that combined just really got me on this journey. And I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm at the, the upswing of it now. Things are getting really clear and, and uh, reconstructed at this point. Yeah, there's a lot in your um, just even in your chapter headings that just show uh, just your heart um, 
pouring out to the idea of like people walking away when you deconstruct and we're going to get into a little bit of that or probably quite a bit of that here in just a minute but before we do that i want to kind of like finish up this this uh first part of the deconstruction questionnaire i guess uh so what was the question that ultimately got you started on the path of deconstruction uh the, the main question for me is what have i been doing all these years what what has it amounted to nothing i you know ask leave two churches I've had my life threatened <laughs> in the past. Oh, wow. and, oh my gosh. Um, I mean, for me, it's been kind of a bumpy ride because I, I, I'm not much for conformity, which is another part of the, the book. You know, I talk about, you know, conformity and how dangerous it is uh, and how I was a, a victim of that as well. I don't like the word victim, but I was kind of stuck in that, you know, mode of um, conforming to try to be like everybody else. And I felt like what I was doing was leading people, not to Jesus, but leading them to conformity. When I figured that out, it, it was no surprise to me why so many people would come to the church, get involved, get baptized, and then eventually they would just kind of fizzle out and, and we wouldn't hear from them anymore. And that's when I realized, you know, this is not real. What we're doing is not authentic. It's not helping anybody. It's not helping them get to what they really need, which is to understand that they are covered by grace and that God has already provided everything that they will ever need through Jesus Christ they're good. You're good. You don't have to fumble through life anymore. You've got everything you need. And, and the way we access that, I believe, is through the, through the mind. We start filling our mind with new information, better information about Jesus, about the Great Commission, about evangelism, about going to church, about worship, uh, the whole system. And you start looking at it piece by piece and, and it, it, you know, trying to make it where it's authentic for you. Yeah, that's good. I don't know if I'm prying too much here, but out of curiosity, what would cause someone to threaten your life just based on you questioning or deconstructing? Um, yeah, this had nothing to do with deconstruction. It was about um, me allowing people of color into the church. Um, oh, back in wow. you know back in the buckle of the Bible belt. But yeah, that was that was quite an experience. A man actually came came down the the aisle, you know, during the altar call time of the service. And that's when he made the threats. He said, you know, we don't want them here. We don't want them to bring their friends here. Um, and you need to stop this or I'm personally going to kill you. And I believed he would do it. He was the kind of man that would probably do such a wow. thing. Uh, so I, I left and got out of there within yeah. the, the next few weeks. And then there was another time when it was uh, for the same thing at a different church. That's insane. So, yeah, racism that's in the church has just been, it's it's yeah. awful. It's awful. It's, it's an <laughs> epidemic. I know. Mm -hmm. I know we've talked a little bit about racism in church, but never to that extent. I didn't even know that type of stuff still went on in churches. Well, yeah, we were in Arkansas. And so, like, we're in Arkansas, but we're in Little Rock. We're in, like, the the central hub, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're pretty city. I mean, I guess if you looked outside of our house, you wouldn't think that because we live in a field right outside the city. But, you know, Arkansas gets rural real quick. But, you know, that Diversity, kind of racism, yeah. it's just, it's it's unfathomable to people who are, like, more engaged in like i guess metropolitan society to think like oh wow that kind of racism really still yeah. exists it does what what part of the uh, bible bill did you come out of uh, i'm south carolina south carolina okay yep so you know all about the south in our ridiculous ways <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, i grew up in it i sure did uh okay so uh, to kind of chain this together you said you're on the rebound you're in reconstruction now which is a beautiful place to be and it's been like probably the biggest, my favorite part of my faith journey. So what, 
was that initial inspiration that took you um, from the downhill slope of deconstruction kind of back into that uphill slope of reconstructing your faith? Uh, that's a very good question. Very simple question. Um, I read Searching for Sunday by Rachel Held Evans, and that kind of got me to the place where, you know what, I, I, I think I've had enough of this deconstructing. I think I've thoroughly, you know, dealt with that. And now, you know, that book just kind of helped me get on a path of just sort of re- relocating my place in the church and the body of Christ. Uh, and, and my wife and I found an amazing church, uh, very authentic people, uh, no showmanship, no silliness. It's just, you know, be real. The worship leader sings off key. And I think that is the most beautiful thing I've seen in a long, long time. It's just, there's nothing perfect about it. It's authentic. It's real. And the people that are there, that's what they're seeking is real, uh, authentic faith. And that's what I think we found that there. And I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. I have two things, uh, one is a question for you. Another one's just a compliment more than anything, Todd. And at the end of your book, you have a whole section just of books that you recommend. And I just want to say thank you for that because it shows that you don't have this scarcity, like hoarding resources. It yeah. shows your authenticity of like you want people to go further down, the, right. down this yeah. journey. And so uh, we already have some for our reading list we're mm-hmm. wanting to pick up. Like so, writing that down. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. And, uh, and the question, I guess, to that is, I'm always interested whenever someone says, I went through deconstruction and now I'm back in a church. Uh, for one, how different is this church versus what you came from? Uh, and then second, what was it like going back into a church? Because that's such a scary thing for so many people. It is. Um, and I was scared. I was terrified. Um, over the last couple of years, my wife and I um, visited a couple of churches and just did not feel that that's where we needed to be. They were nice. People were nice. They're always, they're always nice for a little while, it seems. But um, yeah, we just didn't connect with any of them. And then I, I connected with a, a pastor friend that I had met years before, and he actually connected with me. He reached out and, and just you know wanted to see how I was doing. And so we got together and I started sharing the deconstruction story and yada, yada. And then um, he said, well, you should come to our church. It's small. Um, it's a group of people that are just you know, that have been hurt by church and they just, they, they don't want to, they don't want any of the fluff. They just want a place to come and uh, be a part of a group that is part of their lives as well as, uh, as well as us being a part of, you know, theirs. I think I said that right. But um, it's a, it, you know, we have life groups that meet once a week. And a few weeks ago, I was going through something very difficult. And so I shared it with the life group, which is something I haven't done in a long time, um, shared a personal issue with, with a church family. but. They, I mean, they lost sleep that night over my issue. They were all in it with me. And that's never happened to me before. 30 something years of going to church and that has never happened. I've always had to put on the mask. I'm okay. Nothing's wrong with me. My life is perfect. My kids are perfect. My wife is perfect. But this, you know, they allowed me to be vulnerable and they didn't take advantage of it. They, they got into it with me, which Rachel spells out in her book, Searching for Sunday. That's, that's what the church is. It's people getting into other people's lives, their problems, their, 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 uh, their successes, their joys. When, when you, you laugh or when you're joyful, we're joyful. When you're sad, we're sad. Um, just because we're connected through Jesus that way. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I love the analogy of the mask. We did an episode uh, back in like 50 or 40 or 50 or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, about that very thing. And it was just me kind of realizing, like, I'd heard the mask sermon a million times growing up in church, right? Because I've been in church my whole life. And and, uh, 
it's just one of those things where like we teach people, oh, you put on, you gotta take off those masks, you know, you put these masks on so people, because you're scared to be vulnerable and like this realization, no, we put on these masks because we're taught that this is how we're supposed to look. Mm -hmm. Like it's right. that conformity mindset. Exactly. And so I love that analogy, what you were saying there is like you were actually able to be vulnerable and that just, I don't know, it always brings me back to that because that's something that I have to constantly remind myself is like, I know how to play church, mm -hmm. you know, if, right. go ahead. I was just saying, it also reminds me of how like a lot of churches, not every church just does this, but a lot of churches have the, you're welcome to your signs, but they don't actually mean it. Like you're welcome right. to walk into the door, but they want to try to change you and conform you like you were saying. And so that exactly. just like reminded me of that. Yeah. So somewhere on your journey, uh, obviously you have a passion uh, or at least a very deep interest in um, just the way the mind thinks and works and the uh, the physiology of the mind. Is that the right physiology? Okay. And the psychology of the brain and all that. At what point was that in your deconstruction, reconstruction? When was that that you started looking into just how the mind operates? Like I said, it was during the, um, you know, the Wednesday night crowd of any church is usually the, the, the cream of the crop, the people that are going to be there for you. And so I had this Wednesday night crowd. They were, you know, mainly senior adults, but they were there every week and they, they wanted to learn. And so we began a, a series on Romans 12, um, one and two. And when I got to the part about renewing your mind, I didn't want to just give them a, a fluff sermon like they've heard their whole lives. I wanted to give them something different. Um, so I brought science into it, which I've done all my life. Quantum physics and mechanics amaze me. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of a nerd with this stuff. Um, and, and, you know, reading all this stuff and, and, and trying to apply it to faith, it's, it's amazing. And that was kind of the impetus for the book as well, that, you know, it's not just about hymns and choruses and sermons and potato salad. There's so much more going on in the spiritual realm. And our brains allow us to connect to that in a profound way that I don't think many people understand. And so um, that, that's where, when, once I started learning that information, I began to realize that this crowd, this, they didn't want this information. And as it turned out, they didn't want me either. They asked me to leave eventually, but you know, my heart just wasn't in it. Their heart wasn't in it with me. Uh, it was just time to go. And, and I realized then that I, I probably need to take some time off and figure out what is going on inside of me because I'm just not into this anymore. I don't want to do it ever again. And that was, that was the truth. I didn't ever want to pastor a church as long as I live. And I think, you know, from that, we transitioned to deconstruction, which transitioned into writing, which is, I think I'm just going to stick with that for now and, and uh, go to church with my church family and, and be like that. I don't need to be the pastor anymore. <laughs> I love the, um, the whole idea of the mind being the access and the gateway to God. I feel like Christianity is like the only religion out there for some reason and I think it's because of the whole like Garden of Eden, oh, it's the tree of knowledge. I don't know what it is, our weird stigma with just the mind. We're so terrified of it. Oh, you have to renew it. You have to purify. You have to constantly do all these things and you have to bog down your thoughts. And like the idea of uh, mental health, it's like, oh, that's not a real thing. Like we have these weird stigmas. And then you have uh, certain groups over here will like, okay, well, you have the mind chakra or you have meditation and you have the practition of like soloing out thoughts in your mind. You have all these different practices that talk about in the Bible, mind you, like this isn't like unbiblical or this isn't some weird like teaching that's out there. You know, this is like it's in the Bible that we all like use so much in these uh, hyper traditional church atmospheres. We read these scriptures all the time, just like you were saying and yet we're so scared to engage with those scriptures. So what about it 
do you think is the cause of that? Why are we so afraid of our own minds? To be honest, I think it has to do a lot with pride. This is how I've done it my whole life, and it's worked for me, and I'm not going to change it uh, for any of this new age stuff. Uh, All I need is my Bible, my gun, my flag, and I'm, I'm good to go. And the people that want more for themselves will, will open themselves up to the, 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 the renewing of their mind and getting better information. Most people, uh, in fact, I think all people, they, they act and they react based on the information that they have at that time. And so what the renewing of your mind was meant to be was here's a little more information to help you make hopefully better decisions and have better outcomes in your spiritual life. Uh, and think differently about the things that you've held so closely to for all these years and 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 confront it. And most people, because of pride and, and the other problem is probably just contentment. I like where I'm at. I go to church. I go home. I have my friends. We have our weekly Bible study at the coffee shop where we ignore the, the people that are serving us and don't tip them. And, and we're good. We're good to go. We go to the concerts. We wear the T-shirts, the bracelets, all of that. And we, you know, we read purpose-driven church and purpose-driven life and prayer of Jabez and all the other Americanized versions of Christianity that we've, that we've got in our society right now. And, and we're just, we're, we're happy with that. It's worked with me. It worked for my parents. It worked for my grandparents. Uh, I don't see any reason to listen to this nonsense. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, we had a, a friend drop this uh, status and it was basically talking about how churches are constantly praying for revival, but saying it's not going to look the same way as it always has. And he's like, we're over here having it. You're welcome yeah. to join us. Right. Like, you guys think we're backsliding. <laughs> this is revival. Mm-hmm. This is renewing of the mind. We're getting rid of these old stigmas. It's amazing to me how much uh, fakeness, and I, when I say fakeness, I don't mean like people pretending to be fake. I'm just talking like these weird interpretations based on someone's idea hundreds or you know a hundred years ago at some revival or some you know segment of the church where we have adopted this as just like tradition Mm -hmm. but it's not even in the bible it's not even in the words of christ it's not even it has nothing to do with any of that you know it's just completely out of left field and we take them in as like their doctrine and so uh something that is it's disheartening and it's it's a hard thing to work through is the idea that like whenever you start deconstructing you're going to get resistance and uh, i really want to get into the whole uh the idea of neuroplasticity and what that is and i think this is a good transition to get into that we were just talking about how whenever you start deconstructing or anything like that people are kind of conformed in their ways and so you kind of you kind of become an outcast right because you're starting to question these things well you're going against the flow what is it uh, that causes people to take offense when we start questioning religion? We're not even questioning them necessarily, right? But we just start questioning our tradition or we start questioning why do we do this? And people seem to kind of take instantaneous offense to that. So do you have any insight onto why that is and how we can kind of help circumvent some of that rocky area? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with fear. And I, I don't think many people would admit that, but you know, I'm a kind of a sci-fi person, and I, one of my favorite movies is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Uh, and in that movie, they were, you know, talking about allowing a, another group of people, the Klingons, uh, into their lives. And so many people were against it because they were just afraid of change. Um, and I think a lot of people are just afraid to change, and, and they even become hostile about it. And, you know, neuroplasticity 
is, you know, they've been, their, their brains have been sending the same signals for years and they don't think they can change it. But science tells us that we can, we can learn to change our way of thinking and it actually sends fresh neurons uh, into the brain, into the subconscious, and you can change. You can start thinking differently if you really want to. It, it, it's, it's something that God gave to us. Uh, and and the, the ability to question things started in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life. Don't take from it, but why, don't we, why can't we take from it? Let's, can we taste it? Let's just see what, what we're missing. And I think people need to ask those questions. Uh, what are we missing? What, what's not going on? What's not working for us? And, it, and when we do that, people get really, really upset and even you know, hostile about it. Uh, it's because that, you know, their, their mind is wired that way. They've wired it that way for so many years. Um, you know, back to the, the, where we talked about racism a little bit ago, the first church that I pastored was, we met 500 feet from where you know, the clan used to meet years ago. And so the, the mindset of that community was, was kind of, it was still uh, embedded in there. And I invited a national uh, promise keeper speaker, Bishop Larry Jackson, to come and share with us. He and I had become friends and, and we're communicating. And I, I said, Bishop, why don't you come to our church and, and share with us? Because he, he really had some great insights and I thought they would really benefit from it. It didn't even occur to me that he was black, uh, to be honest. I did, didn't even think about that. I thought about, you know, what a great speaker he is, what a great man of faith he is, what a heart he's got. Um, and I had him come and, and speak with us after the music part of the service completed over half the congregation got up and walked out. Um, oh my God! But before he got up to speak, and you know, when when I would speak to people about that, well, that's just the way we've always been. That's the way that we're always going to be. And uh, and, uh, and I was a young man back then, so they were just blowing me off on that. But I was just thinking, no, no, no. You you choose to be that way. You don't have to be this way. You you are in control. Your mind does not control you. You are supposed to control it. And God gave us the ability to do that to ask questions, to, to broaden our horizons. He wants us to do that. He wants us to find the answers because he wants to give them to us. He wants us to have everything we need and, and more. And, and so many people are just afraid to let go of the system that has always worked for them because they're, you know, the people that went before them warned them, you know, don't go against the word of God or, you know, you'll bring judgment down on the earth and we're having a hurricane, you know, here in South Carolina right now, where I'm at, we're not getting anything, but uh, the coast of our state is getting hammered right now. And, and there are people out there that are going to say, you know, this is God's judgment on the world, sending hurricanes. And that's, that's just hogwash. It's nonsense. Jesus is not like that. He, he, there's nothing in, in, in the Gospels that indicates that Jesus was wrathful or vindictive or mean or anything. And people always go back to, well, he cleared the temple. He did that. Yeah, but they were, you know, they were trying to make money in the temple. And right. it's amazing that there aren't more people now clearing out the temples because churches, I was uh, about to say. <laughs> yeah, because they've become a money-making machine, some of them. Yeah. Uh, and then there's some that can hardly keep the doors open, but uh, that's, that's what it comes down to. We need to get more people in our church that will tithe so that we can pay our bills and pay the staff and, and, and do whatever. And it, it's less about ministry and it's more about business. And, and that always upset me too. Um, you know, the, the early church in the book of Acts, they, they, met in houses, they, you know, small groups, they were uh, involved in each other's lives. They shared everything. It doesn't say anything about building a building and having 500 seats in the sanctuary and anything like that. It just, it, it's, I just don't think it's part of what we're supposed to be. I think it's, and this is my opinion and no one else's, but I just think it's the American way. 
we want to start something. We want it to be profitable. We want it to grow. And, and we want it to do what it was created to do. And, and that even applies to churches. Um, we live in a, I live in an area where there's a church literally every 500 Same. feet uh, up the road. Same. And then um, they want to start new ones. And I'm always asking, why do you want to start a new church? There's so many here already that probably need some help. Um, but that's just the world that we're in right now. That's the, that's the Christianity that I was a part of for a long, long time and even helped perpetuate uh, until I started realizing, you know, I'm not part of this anymore. It was just no longer yeah. in my heart to do that. One of my big um, got in trouble moments when I was a minister was whenever I had made a comment to a group of ministers how half the churches in Arkansas could close down and not a single pa- person would bat an eye and it'd probably be better for the community. Exactly. <laughs> it didn't go exactly. over so well, but, yeah. you know, going back to what you were saying about how, like, churches being... Um, these bodies and they come together and they just they have this one way of thinking and we just uh, we have this one idea this Americanized idea of how we're supposed to do church and it's it's ingrained in us it's embedded in us it's something that we have done for so long and then there comes this other group people like uh, like us who are like okay well we're kind of questioning how we do these uh, do these things and that kind of ties into like evangelism to me and uh, we have this one way of evangelizing I just remember what I was gonna say. Uh, you had said something along the lines of how, like, uh, we're asking questions and people say, well, we only do it this way. But yet Jesus said, ask, seek, knock, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jesus is all about asking questions. And uh, so it's just kind of bringing this into evangelism, because I know we talked a little bit about that on our call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, we all know the Great Commission, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. We have this one way of looking at things. is like, oh, we have to build this church. Elaine and I have sat in church services not that long ago, actually. We were trying out a church, and and they had said, like, every, everything outside of these walls is dangerous, but when you're in here, you're safe. Mm-hmm. And my heart just, like, broke. And I'm like, there's, like, a thousand other churches right outside of this yeah. church. Like, literally, there's 10 churches on this one street that loops around this town, and they're all very large churches. But, like, just the implication of that is, like, you're safe in here, but everything outside of these walls is just dangerous and out to get you. And just this whole, right. we, we have this evangelism approach. I've always, I'm sorry, I'm ranting for a second to get to my question, but we have this approach where it's like, if we can just get them in the door, we can get them saved. If we can get them in the door, we can get them saved. And I've always kind of uh, stirred up the pot a little bit, telling people like, it's not the church's job to save anyone. Like if you're right. trying to get them in the church and them saved, then that's just laziness on your part. Because for one, now I don't even know what getting someone saved means. That whole word in general just kind of rubs me the wrong right. way at Same this here. point. But Same here. Honestly, I feel like I'm saving. Like the whole saving thing is a lot of times coming from those who are in church need the more, more saving than those out, right? Right, exactly. And, uh, but anyway, so we have this one way of thinking. We have this one way of outreach. You think of like evangelism. The, the first reaction that kind of comes to your mind is I'm going to go out and I'm going to pray with people on the streets. I'm going to minister to them. But every time I've been involved in this, it almost seems a little bit forced. And while I've seen a couple people actually get something from it, right, that they're like down in the dumps and they needed that that physical contact, I've seen a lot of people uh, like praying out of obligation just to get someone off their back or just trying to get away from these people, right, because they're just creeped out. Like we've had a guy come up to someone in a Walmart and lay his hands on this woman 
who's trying to shop for bedding and he's like you're my treasure you're my treasure that i've been seeking and she's like wow. no thank you and just like runs away right <laughs> yeah. so like we've seen some weird like air quote evangelism what are your ideas to evangelism and just uh how we're doing that versus what that actually is um it, to break it down in my mind um you know church is a business and evangelism is sales um you can't run a business if you don't have a product that people need to buy and so evangelism to me has always been uh modeled that you know you go door to door you do different things uh to get people to come and visit your church uh, and that always bothered me even though i was i was very good at it actually you know my first church we we led the association and uh, baptism and new members and all this um, and i didn't see what was going on you know back then but you know i was just inviting them to to become uh, a part of the machine to conform and so my evangelism you know that's what that's what the ultimate goal of it was you know the methods that i used uh, when i first started out we used to just go door to door uh, and I'd say, hi, I'm the new pastor here, and we'd like to ask you about seven questions. Uh, take a poll in the community. Would you mind answering seven questions? And they, you know, they almost always said, yeah, sure. Uh, and the first question is something like, you know, what kind of music do you guys listen to? Um, what do you see as a big need in this community? And then the last question is, you know, if, if you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Uh, and that's pretty much where, you know, we lost them at that point. But, and, and some would come but most people are just completely put off in fact i spent two weeks in new hampshire i've been to mexico and that's what i did just door-to-door -door evangelism and just walking up to people and talking to them and and now just thinking about that it just really makes my skin crawl that, that that i did that because if i were them i would be really put off by me coming up to them like that but you know i was enraptured by the you know large membership churches that would you know pastors would preach in our chapel services in college and seminary and they would talk about how they do evangelism and i'm thinking man if i can just get this evangelism thing right we'll have a, a melty mega church right here in, in south carolina um so it, i was just wrong I, I was all wrong um in my mind and, and you know but my my focus in ministry has always been evangelism uh, but now it's uh, evangelism. You know, the people that really need to be saved, according to Barbara Brown Taylor, are the people that are in church now that think God sees things the way that they do. That's who needs to be saved right now. You know, to 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 carry the the gospel, which is more or less a sales pitch. Um, if you want to go to heaven when you die, you know, sign this card, shake my hand, go go into the water, uh, and you'll be okay. Um, the the gospel now is you're okay. You're already okay. There's nothing further that you need to do to accomplish your being okay. Jesus has taken care of it, and uh, you know, go make the world a better place. So, yeah, the gospel and evangelism is. I think we're really going to see some changes probably in the next ten, fifteen years on how uh, churches are doing it. We had the seeker-friendly thing in the '90s that didn't work. Um, the conservative resurgence has failed miserably, um, in my opinion. And, and then, you know, the way it's now, we, we've got, and my generation fought for these things, you know, drums and guitars and all that church. But, um, you know, we've got that now, and millennials are saying, there's nothing here for us. It's just loud music, and there's no substance, and they're, they're pulling out. Um, they don't want to go to church. I have a, I have a ch uh, guy that I know that's just completely, almost to the point of becoming an atheist, because he's just not seen anything uh, remotely resembling Jesus uh, anywhere. 
um, and you know, this is a guy that was, you know, has uh, multiple tattoos and, and had, you know, piercings and all of that. And some old lady said something to him about it and he hasn't been back to church since. Uh, and that happens all the time. It's sad. Um, but you know, we, we, we talk about evangelism, the, the place where I went to Bible college and seminary, they actually have built an entire building based on the great commission, uh, where they're sending people overseas and, and this, that, and the other. And, and it's just, it's it's not effective anymore. I don't believe it's effective. Uh, just going up to people and, and giving them a, a spiel, making them sign a thing says that they accepted Christ. Um, it, it just doesn't work anymore. It's it's not the evangelism has to be reconstructed, deconstructed, and then reconstructed. That's my belief. That's good. Yeah, and that's actually one of the biggest things that I've kind of been deconstructing myself is. Um, how people, you know, leave around church tracks because they feel like if you're going to read that, then you're going to get convicted. And then just some of the comic strips are so ridiculous and crazy and full of hate. And then at the end, it's like, do you know where you're going? And then um, just the idea of like missionary work and going overseas for spring break. And then you come back and like your life has changed and, and you have all these convictions and just like how much of that is you know actually pouring into people and actually changing their lives or is it just making you feel bad for the things that you enjoy or you know how um much of the great commission are we supposed to do how much evangelizing are we supposed to do if you see somebody you know who rain out of gas on the side of the road and then you go up to them and and help them either get move their truck to the gas station or fill their tank up or whatever is it enough to do just that or do you also have to say hey can I pray with you God loves you like what is enough love what how are we supposed to um, encompass Jesus's love is it by telling them about his love or is it actually just showing them his love and letting that be it. And so that's the biggest thing that I'm kind of like just deconstructing and thinking about and researching for, for myself. Absolutely. Yeah, and so what is, what is your perspective on that, Todd? What does it mean to make a disciple? What is, what is that? What does all that mean on this end? Because I feel like that's one area we don't touch a lot in deconstruction. We're, we're so stuck on the, on the great commission and I'm not trying to minimize anything, but I'm, I'm looking at it differently now. You know, the original Greek command in that verse is not go, it's make disciples. Uh, that's the imperative in that in that verse. The go is is more of an as you're going kind of thing. So people get that wrong all the time. Well, God told told us to go so that we need to go. No, he's, he said make disciples. And that's different. That's engaging people one-on-one. That's being involved in their lives. That's spending time with them, letting them spend time with you, trying to be a good example to them, showing them the love of Jesus. Uh, and, and expecting nothing in return for that. Um, I think that's what evangelism is going gonna, is gonna to turn into. We, we expect people to respond, um, and that's what we're looking for, the response. We have altar calls after the service because we want you to come forward and respond to the message. And I just think that's, I think that's backwards. And I'm not even certain, uh, and I've, I've read some other information you know, in my deconstruction, uh, about the Great Commission, I'm, I'm not even certain that the Great Commission is for us. I think it may have possibly been for those people that were there present uh, at the time it was given, and and now we have you know built massive buildings and and send people all over the world and this that and the other because of this Great Commission. And I'm not even sure that it directly applies to what we have today. Um, obviously, we're in the tech you know technology society. We can do video chats and, and all of that. And, and maybe going door to door is just no longer the way to, to spread the love of Jesus. 
but you know, I, I believe there's always, there's never anything wrong with helping somebody. Um, if they're struggling, if they're, if they're stuck on the side of the road, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with trying to help people and show grace to them that way. And I think you don't even have to say anything. It just, you show it and they're like, wow, that's, that's, that's something that must be, you know, that's like Jesus would do or something like that. It's definitely some stuff that I'm, I'm trying to research now and, and try to get my head around, you know, deconstructing evangelism. Maybe that'll be another book one day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, it's the way we've done it for the last five decades, six decades. Um, it just no longer works. It's not effective. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it ever was, um, but it, it's just not effective anymore. You know, pray this prayer. When I first went to church, the very first time, it was during a revival, I was a teenager. And uh, the, the, the evangelist talked about having a relationship with God. Well, I'd always believed in God, but I didn't know that I could have a relationship uh, with Jesus. And that's, that's what I was kind of mm-hmm. seeking was something more real. So I went forward and they sat me down in the front row. And then after the service, they, you know, herded us off into a back room. And there was some scary guy with a, a track called the Four Spiritual Laws. And he made me read it out loud to him. And then signed something, uh, you know, registering for a Sunday school class, and sent me on my way. And I said, "That that's not evangelism. That's that's mm-hmm. factory conformity." <laughs> yeah, propaganda and fear tactics. Exactly. Right? Yeah. What you're saying echoes really strong with uh, just even in James, where it says, "Show me your faith. I'll show you my works." Or it says, uh, "I want to say it's in James. I could be completely botching this. I know it's in the Bible, so you can." You can Google me and check this later if you're listening and you're trying to figure out where this is. I may try to throw it in the show notes, but uh, it talks about how like uh, sometimes it's best to just keep your mouth shut and live a peaceful life to yourself and the Lord, and that's a better ministry tool. And so like I'm gonna have to find that and I'm gonna have to drop that. Maybe I'll come back on at the end and share where where that's actually at in the Bible, so I'm not just spouting off random stuff here without validity. But uh, I, I love that. I love that the idea of showing Christ's love. And if if God is an energy, and this is to get a little new agey, but if like God is energy and you're radiating that energy, they're going to pick up on that, right? You're going to influence that person. You can't walk into a field of energy and not be influenced by that energy. You know, right. They show um, electromagnetic waves have impulses on the way our brains think and operate. And even down to like people who live in uh, near power plants have certain like mindsets or can actually be more prone to like self-harm and stuff like that from some of these scientific studies done back in like I believe the 70s. And so energy has a physical manifestation in our bodies. And when you're echoing that, when you're echoing Christ, which is, you know, everything is energy, everything's a wavelength, that's scientific, that's not new age, that's science. And so whenever you're echoing the love of Christ, it's kind of like when you walk into a room, you can tell if someone is out just to try to get your money or if they authentically care about you, right? And so uh, if you if you are putting that out there, sooner or later, someone's going to tune in and start picking up on that. And that's ministry. That is evangelism, right, in, in and of itself. And I just think that's beautiful. So Elaine had um, a part that really stood out to her, and it was your last chapter. So I'm just going to let her talk about that. Yeah. Sure. So your last chapter is You Can't Pour from an Empty Cup. And this is one of the hardest things for people going through deconstruction and and questioning, especially whenever they start leaving church and start leaving those relationships. How do they fill back up when they don't even know, you know, what they're searching for? They don't even know the foundations that they have anymore. Right. And that's why I think it's so critical that we have 
a go-to person or a go-to group uh, or a go-to book even just to try to find the, the answers to that. Um, because it's true, you, uh, there's no pouring from an empty cup. And, and if, you're, if you can't help yourself, then you're really not going to help anybody else because hurt people hurt people. And uh, I think it's very, very critical that, that everybody just take a look at their lives and say, am I fulfilled? Am I happy? Am I, am I joyful? Am I content with my life right now? It's not perfect. It, you know, we have our issues, but it's, I like it. I'm happy. Uh, and then, you know, you're, you're probably better equipped to help people that are searching for answers and, and things like that. But if you're miserable all the time, uh, trying to help someone else, you're just going to bring that misery to them and that energy um, to them. And that's not, that's not, not going to really help. And that we find, we find that a lot in Christian counseling. I've been through it myself. I've never been a Christian counselor other than a pastor, but I've been through counseling and I was sent to a Christian counseling and, um, and it was pretty much, you know, conformity, you know, you need to do this. The Bible says do this. So let's work on that this week and come back next week and see how we've done. And then I'd go back and say, well, it, it, it didn't work. And you know, that guy would get angry. It's like, Hmm. So I stopped going, but, um, yeah, the, you've got to take care of yourself. There's nothing, there's nothing shameful about taking care of yourself. God doesn't expect us to help anybody if, if we are hurting. And, and if we're hurting, he's hurting. Uh, and, and, and all he wants is for us to find the truth, to find the, 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 the goodness, the energy, the vibrations, uh, to, to sort of transcend in our minds and in our prayer lives, to connect with something way bigger than anything we've ever realized. Um, I, I, you know, when we get to that point, then, then we can probably help others, but there's gotta be a, there's gotta be a time for you to take care of yourself. And then, you know, when, when you get a person that's been miserable for years and, and get them to a, a good place, uh, then they still need encouragement to keep them there. Um, and, and that's why I think that we who are going through, have been through or going through deconstruction, we need a community of people that understand. And that's why I just, I'm so thankful for podcasts like yours. That, that offers us something, something to listen to uh, that we're like, yeah, that's what I'm going through. Exactly. I, that's my exact question and, uh, and, and get something from it. I've listened to several wonderful podcasts and heard from some great, great people that I've never heard of before, but I've heard of them now. Brian Zond, Brad Jerzak, uh, Keith Giles, uh, people that have been doing this for a while and they're, they, they have the ability to to help guide us and get us through that to take you know, take care of ourselves um, and 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 be a part of humanity again because we're we're all energy that's that's just a fact we're all energy if you if you take your two hands and put them together about this close you can you can actually feel uh, energy between your hands uh, and we're all we're all created with that it's we, we all vibrate and, and the higher our vibrations can get. Uh, the more we can encourage and help others. Um, but so many people are, are just, they're hurt and they're lost and they don't know which way to go. And they've, they've come to the church looking for answers and they've found zilch. Um, and so they're, they don't know where to go now. And I'm just thankful that, you know, there are people that are stepping up and saying, here, we know what you're going through. Listen to our podcast. You know, let us help you. Let us encourage you. I, I just think that's so critical. And that, that's why I wrote Renewing Every Mind. I'm, I'm not trying to start a movement or anything like that. I'm not looking for disciples. I'm, I'm followers. I'm just looking to start a conversation that I think needed to be started. You know, why do we think the way we do? And, and, and if we can confront that, uh, then we can start collecting new thoughts and better thoughts, new information, 
which like you said, is backed up by science. Nothing in that book was not backed up by science. It's nothing that I made up or found from some online guru. It was, you know, it's scientific stuff. And I made sure of that because I'm, I'm a stickler for that. But yeah. Um, did that answer the question? I'm not sure. I, I kind of went off on a, <laughs> went off a little bit, but yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about that last chapter, um, taking care of yourself, be good to yourself, be kind to yourself, treat yourself. And, and so many times we're, we're forbidden to do that because, you know, we don't, we don't put ourselves first. We put God first, blah, blah, blah. That's wrong. You, you've got to put yourself first. You've got to get yourself in a good place. And if you read comments and things on Twitter and on the internet, which I've stopped doing because I just can't handle it. Um, it's awful. There's just so much hatred and so much bitterness and so many people just, all they want to do is be mean. Why? Why live that way if you don't have to? And so that's, you know, that's what I'm hoping, you know, this book will do is maybe find some of these people that are just bottomed out and here's some new stuff to think about. Uh, go for it and let us help. And I know, um, that has to do with a lot of like a burnout in church too. And just the analogy of you can't pour from an empty cup and people in leadership, um, you know, sometimes overuse and abuse their volunteers because they treat church as a business. And they're like, well, you have to keep getting people in the store. You have to keep evangelizing and all this stuff. But then a lot of people are walking away because they aren't getting poured back into. They aren't getting filled because they they have leadership and pastors and people keep telling them, well, you have to go, 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 go make disciples go get all these people, but you're not being taken care of yourself. And a couple episodes ago, we did an episode on the power of no and learning how to take rest, rest and understanding that you can't be all the things to all the people all the time. Like you have to put yourself first and that you, you know, you can't help others if you aren't helping yourself. And so I I just want to reiterate that I just love that chapter. I love the title of it. And I I just love your heart on that. Thank you. Yeah. And and in essence, if, if, God's, if we are the breath of Christ, right, we are an echo of God, taking care of yourself is actually putting God first. I think so. Yeah, and exactly. So, Todd, we like to end uh, all of our episodes giving our guests a chance to ask a question. This can be a literal or rhetorical question, but it's something to help the listener uh, who may be in, in a certain position, maybe they're having some of these thoughts too, just to kind of think or maybe a question to ask themselves or something along those lines. And the question we were, uh, I guess, going to ask you that you would ask them is, what is a question you would ask to someone who's wanting to change their thought patterns and renew their minds to create a new healthy habit for their faith? Uh, the, the obvious question would be, where do I start? Where do I find help with with that? Um, and, and then just thank God for Google and, and all that, you know, you can go online and that's where I found most of my stuff that helped me. Uh, Amazon is a good source of wonderful books. Um, and there are other sources of course, but, um, you know, the question I would ask them is, you know, how much longer do you want to go this way? How how much longer are you going to allow yourself to live this way? Knowing now that there's a, a better way to do it and transformation, um, comes with a price. People are often not willing to pay. But if you're willing to pay the price, do the research, spend time with people, spend time in prayer, um, whatever you need to do, do it. Um, the, there's, there's so much out there for us. And just to sit and feel this way without even trying to do better uh, is just such a waste. And I would just encourage everybody to, to you know, discover where you're at and then confront your, your thoughts, um, collect new thoughts, and, and just work from there day by day. 
there's no, you know, obviously the deconstruction, there's no pressure. You must deconstruct. It's not like that. It's, you know, if you're going through where you just doubt everything, you don't know what's going on. How much longer are you going to let yourself go that way? Find somebody, find something to help you get started on a better path. That's good. That's so good. Todd, where can people find your book? Where can people find you? Maybe they're like, man, I really need some coaching. And so, uh, they love what you're saying. Where can people, what's the best place to get connected with you and to get a hold of your new book? Uh, the book is on Amazon and, and just can be ordered straight from there. Um, I have a website, www.toddarvick.com. It's not anything fancy, um, but there's information. You can reach me through that. And of course, Facebook, I'm all over and Instagram, um, Todd Arvick on Instagram, Todd Arvick on Twitter, uh, and just Todd Vick on, on Facebook. Very cool. And we will link to everything in the show notes. So you don't have to try to worry about remembering all that. You can just go down there and get straight to him from mm-hmm. the show notes. Todd, thank you so much for this conversation. And uh, we greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. This, this has been wonderful. It was really nice talking with both of you. And thank you for having me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Todd, thank you so much again. We thoroughly enjoyed having Todd on. Just everything that he had to say was so timely with what conversations Elaine and I were already having. And I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but about 20 minutes ago, I had made the comment how I would pop back on at the end and share that verse. I knew I wasn't crazy. It's not in James. It's 1 Thessalonians 4.11. And I'll just read this real quick. And aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Interesting verse. So you can rewind and recap on what I was saying and fit that back in where it goes. But Todd, thank you so much. Go find him on all uh, his social media. Please go read his book. Yes, go grab a copy of his book. Support his work. He's doing amazing things, and I love that he has a like-minded heart. He just wants to start honest conversation. Also, we had a really fantastic final five with Todd where he just ran down a few uh, really just powerful tips on if you're starting your deconstruction journey or you're in the middle of deconstruction, how to really just grab a hold of the idea of renewing your mind and just these three practical steps to take to grab a hold of some good thoughts and get some good stuff in your life. So I would highly encourage you to head over to therecklesspursuit.com forward slash subscribe, hop on our email list, and we will be sending those out all through the week. We'll be sending out a copy of that. So you can also grab a link for that in the show notes. Guys, if you haven't done so so far, we urge you to go up there and hit that uh, rate and review button. We thank you for uh, just honestly reviewing the show. It helps us to know how we can serve you guys better, what you guys like, and it helps other people who may be curious in the show know what we're about ahead of time. Those reviews matter to people who are just scrolling by. We love you guys, and as always, be brave. Be bold. And be reckless. We'll We'll talk talk soon. soon.